Welcome to All Write in Sin City, a podcast about writers and writing in the Windsor, Detroit region. Your podcasters today are Irene Moore Davis, author, educator, and local historian, Sarah Jarvis, former bookseller, publishing rep, and literary festival chair, and me, Kim Conklin, Windsor based writer and filmmaker. This recording takes place online with safe physical distancing. Our featured guest today is Dale Jacobs. Dr. Dale Jacobs teaches composition and rhetoric with interests in comics, composition, pedagogies, literacy, and visual rhetorics at the University of Windsor, Ontario. In addition to numerous books and articles on rhetoric, he's the editor of North by North Wit, an anthology of Canadian humor, and Ice, New Writing on Hockey. He has edited Sunday with the Tigers, 11 Ways to Watch a Game. Dale Jacobs is the new editor-in-chief of the Windsor Review, which is published biannually by the University of Windsor, Faculty of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences, and the Department of English and Creative Writing. Established in 1965, the Windsor Review features poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, and review essays. Welcome, Dale. Hi, thanks for having me. So congratulations on taking over as editor. The Windsor Review recently celebrated its 50th anniversary. How are you finding the process of building on that history? It's been an interesting transition. Uh, we, we used the issue that was edited by Andre Narbonne, the uh, Windsor Review retrospective issue at 50 years plus as kind of a transition. That was our first issue in the new online space. When I when I took over as as editor, uh, I approached Letty Library and we moved to uh, to an online space there that's open access. I uh, had when the journal had previously moved from print to online, it was behind a paywall. It was difficult to access, so. So we moved to an open access model and the first issue was the, the 50th anniversary, which was really great that we started with this history of, of the journal that's been such a presence since the middle 60s. And we were able to, to pay tribute to what had, what had gone before. And Andre did a great job of that issue. That came out last fall. Then we took a pause and the first issue of uh, kind of the reboot, as we've called it, is uh, is what came out this fall. So that that history has definitely informed what what I and uh, the other editors that have come together have tried to to do with the journal. So at this point, you're publishing only digitally. Only digitally, yes. How has that been received? I think it's been quite positive. Uh, we're we're reaching a lot more people now, uh, for sure. It's, it's had some challenges. We don't have the same revenue stream we did before, but uh, we also don't have a lot of the costs we did before either. And it's, I think it's been on the whole quite positive that just having more people with access to the journal has been such a positive. And 
we've had uh, more writers submitting because they're able to see what the journal looks like and, and then make a decision for themselves whether it's a, it's a good venue for their work. So you're working with some new sub-editors as well, Holly Adams on fiction and Daniel Lockhart on poetry and Andre Narbonne on reviews. How does that collaboration process work? I have the best set of uh, editors with me. They've been tremendously helpful and our collaborations have been great. Andre's a holdover from earlier. He had been the fiction editor previously and and to be honest, Andre was the one who came to me and asked if I would be interested in taking over the editorship. And so it's been really useful to have Andre in that transition over. And uh, when I said that I wanted to have this review essay section, and we, I'm sure, maybe talk about it a bit, Andre was the one I wanted to tap right away. And... I knew that I needed a new fiction editor and poetry editor. I, I went to, to Daniel and, and this was in talking with Andre. Daniel made so much sense in so many ways. He's so energetic and he's tapped into multiple uh, writing communities. We wanted, I wanted to get a group of editors who had contacts beyond Windsor that we want this journal to be much more, much uh, wider reach than it had been the last, the last few years. And, and so bringing Daniel on, who has, has lived in various places, including the United States and, and does know people in the literary community throughout North America was important to me. Uh, Holly is someone who I knew when she was a student at Windsor many, many, many years ago. But since then, she's gone to Calgary and got a PhD. She now teaches at the University of Maine. She has contacts all over North America. She's funny. And um, her sensibility and Daniel's sensibility are close to mine in terms of the kinds of material we would like to see. And, and so I think there's some cohesiveness to the journal logistically we actually use facebook chat for a lot of our meetings and so it doesn't matter that we're in different places and of course with the pandemic now this is the way everyone works but we we tend to do text meetings rather than rather than doing anything over zoom or you know another video client but it's it's worked very well and one of the reasons I also wanted to go through Letty is we've, we're using a, a kind of an adapted academic journal platform in that it has a submission system. Authors go to the site and they submit through the system. So I'm able to handle everything myself and parse it out to the sub editors without having people sending in hard copies or sending emails. This makes it much more streamlined. And we really can handle all the volume of submissions quite easily just between the four of us. Just a quick follow-up. You mentioned that you and Holly and Daniel have common sensibilities. Can you describe a little bit about what those sensibilities are? I, I guess it's it's just a sense that we all look for clear forceful writing we tend 
we just tend to respond to the same sorts of beats in poetry, to the same sorts of characterization. It's one of those things we, we know what we like when we see it and we seem to be on the same page that we've never had a stated meeting about this is what we're looking for. We just are in concurrence with each other. And you mentioned that you wanted to look at the review section in a little more detail. Do you have overall a specific editorial focus? And how do you and your special editors work in the direction and thrust? I guess you, with your sensibilities, that you come, that you're looking for forceful writing. Is there anything else that you're working towards together? Well, with the review section particularly, Andre and I have, have had conversations about it. And what, what we've decided to do, instead of having capsule reviews of individual books, what I wanted to do from the beginning and my vision was to have three or four books reviewed together in a, a review essay that does critically appraise these books, but also does it in such a way that it takes on a larger topic. And... So the first one, Andre did the first one kind of as a template. And then we're going to, this won't be by submission, we're, we're going to be asking specific people to write. The first one he did was looking at the winners of various literary prizes in Canada, and then thinking about what does that mean in terms of literary prizes. We have some ideas going forward, and I... Uh, I don't want to talk about them too much, but we're going, so the first one was fiction. We will, we will have essay review essays on poetry, review essays on creative nonfiction and on uh, Canadian literary criticism. So we're going to try to rotate through those different areas. In a year or so, we may do some capsule reviews that we have up on the website between issues. Uh, that's something that we're currently talking about, but that won't happen at, at least until the end of 2021. In his essay, Andre Nabong mentioned, you know, how how can different literary prizes choose the best book, uh, and that different literary prizes choose different books, or sometimes there's an overlap. So do you do you think you'll have that sort of same sensibility that you're you're going to be looking for? general books that encapsulate or works that encapsulate a certain idea rather than, I guess, weighing it on its merits, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I, I think part of what Andre was trying to get at is that each group of judges think they're striving towards the best fiction, but each group of judges is going to come to a different place. I'm teaching a course right now on the Booker Prize and, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is how that Booker Prize is reinvented every year with a new set of judges. When you have the criteria as loose as the best piece of prose, that's going to happen. But, you know, we, I don't think we have any specific agendas. We, we are trying to put together the best magazine we can every, every issue. That's really, really our, our goal right now. And to try to get a, a mix of, of different kinds of voices. We don't want everything sounding alike. We don't want all the writers being, you know, from the same place or 
being of one identity. We, we want to see a diversity of, of voices for sure. So with that, you know, the, the striving for a diversity of voices, the journal does have solid roots with the University of Windsor and Windsor Writers Circles. So how much of the journal will continue to represent the work of local or university writers and editors? To be honest, that's not the focus at all anymore. I mean, will there be Windsor writers? Sure, of course there there will be, just like there could be writers from anywhere else, but that's not at all the focus that I've wanted to take uh, since I've assumed the editorship. And, and to be really honest, if you go back to the beginning, that is not the original focus of the Windsor Review. It was housed and there were contributors, but there, there were contributors from the University of Windsor and certainly editors, but the contributors were from all over North America and it was not at all a local or provincial journal. And so I think all of us are trying to get back to that larger reach but the difference is at the beginning, it was closer to an academic journal. There were a lot of, you know, most of it, it was not creative writing, it was criticism at the beginning. And it slowly over the years changed to a creative writing journal, which is primarily what we are, of course. But that's also why I wanted to, and Andre wanted to reinstitute something like the review essay to, to kind of bring back that sense of, criticism that did something beyond just reviewing a single book and that went beyond just showcasing creative writing. So we wanted to do a couple things with the relaunch of the journal. As you say, contributors seem to be drawn widely from Canada and the U.S. Why is it important for you to have that kind of a reach? And what do you think the Windsor Review can say that's unique about the world of writing? Well, I mean, I part of it is as cliched as it is to say living in Windsor, we're a border city. So, you know, I don't want it to just be Canadian literature. I want there to be American co contributors. But I also realize that we are in Canada and that's important. So I want, want both represented. And we also, you know, we're certainly open to having contributors from all over the world and we would like to go beyond North America. Uh, and that's, I, I think, been very important to us. So we'll continue to strive to strive to do that. And again, we're just looking to put together the best literary magazine that we, that we can to uh, have a blend of established writers and fresh voices and, uh, you know, to have something that we can be proud of and that is a good ambassador for Windsor and for the University of Windsor both. And I think for me, the way to do that is to move out beyond Windsor. There's, lot, there's lots and lots of things that are geared towards the writing community here. And I think one of the things we can do is, is, is be a conduit out into the larger world and also to have the larger world come into us. So you, we do have the Windsor Detroit Creative Five that is happening. And what are your goals for reaching out and, and the ambassadorship? 
with the are you looking to bring people to the creative writing program here in Windsor because we do have this rich heritage of having some pretty amazing writers come through here yeah I, I mean part of it is it's difficult to think right now in the midst of this pandemic what is this all going to look like in terms of what we can even do we're having an open house today for the University of Windsor virtually so you know, I, I do want to start doing events, but realistically, that's not going to happen until next fall at the earliest. And I'm not even positive that's going to be possible. The Windsor Review is, it, we're not exactly connected with the creative writing program at the University of Windsor. I see them as quite separate. I actually, I don't teach in the creative writing program. That's, that's not part of how I identify myself. So we're, we're definitely part of the English department and, and part of the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences in the University of Windsor. But I don't think that means we're part of the creative writing program or, or certainly not subsidiary at all to the creative writing program. So what are your publication goals? How many issues do you aim to produce each year? Uh, we will do two issues a year, one in the fall. Uh, which will come out in about October and one in the spring, which will come out in a, about March. Uh, I don't anticipate we'll move from that production schedule anytime soon. You know, doing two issues instead of three or four just ensures the quality will be better. It ensures that we have, have time to do it properly and uh, make it look as good as we can in addition to getting the the best writing that we can. How can somebody submit work to you? They go to the, the website, the, the Windsor Review website. Uh, there is a button. It just says submit. So you click on that and you have to register and then, and then submit your, your work there up to six poems or uh, I think it's a 3000 word piece of prose. So we're, we're looking for, poetry in whatever form we're looking for short stories and we're looking for creative nonfiction. I saw one cheeky comment on social media asking if the contributors are paid uh, and if so how how does your funding work through the university or other funding? Uh, we have a bit of funding through the university. The contributors are paid. They are paid $10 per poem or $25 for a piece of prose. Because of the vagaries of how we need to pay people, we are using gift certificates for an online Canadian bookstore called All Lit Up, which is um, a bookstore that represents 60 independent publishers in Canada. And with the gift certificates, they can buy physical books, they can buy electronic books. And so this has actually solved a lot of problems. We, know, we don't have to worry about exchange rates. We don't have to worry about a lot of different things. And the contributors to the first issue were all very, very happy to get those gift certificates. And, you know, even if you're living in Oklahoma, you can use that to buy an electronic book and enjoy it that way. So that was the main thing. And then we had flag booklets, the little uh, sticky notes done up and branded with uh, Windsor Review. And those went out to all the contributors as well. That's our other little 
little thank you that we we do along with car commemorative cards of the cover of the issue we just do enough to to send them to the to the contributors so that, so that we try to give them something to remember being in the issue and to hopefully uh, get them to spread the word about the Windsor Review and then and paying them was was something that was I think very important to all the editors from from the beginning so that, of course that's they've got publication rights and they can bragging rights as well absolutely and we also uh made a commitment to nominate for pushcart prizes and i did the first pushcart prize nominations uh about two weeks ago so we will do that every year we've got the windsor review now on the list to be read for best canadian short stories and best canadian poetry and best canadian essays so we're, t- we're trying to nominate writers when we can for whatever awards are available so that they know it's not a dead end to publish at the University of Windsor or at the Windsor Review. And so I think all of those things are, are important. And that's part of where Daniel and Holly have been very good is, is helping us to see how important those sorts of gestures are to working writers. So you have a number of projects on the go yourself. Can you tell us about what's coming up next for Dale Jacobs? Well, the book that uh, I wrote with Heidi Jacobs is uh, in production right now. It's called 100 Miles of Baseball, 50 Games, One Summer. And Heidi and I, in the summer of 2018, we drew a uh, circle around our house, 100-mile circle, and we went to 50 games in about three and a half months. And it just worked out this way, half of them in the United States and half in Canada. And uh, Biblioasis is publishing that book, and it's, it's currently in production and will be out the first week of March. And then uh, I just am finishing a uh, editing a collection of interviews with Jeff Lemire, who's a cartoonist originally from Essex County, now lives in Toronto, and that's with University Press of Mississippi. And those that's a collection of pre-existing interviews uh, starting in 2009 to 2019, and uh, I'm excited to have it out all it'll be off my desk and and to my editor by the 15th of december and then uh, i just signed a contract with uh wilford laurier university press for a book called uh, the 1976 project on comics and grief which is it's a weird hybrid book it's uh half comic studies and half memoir about my mother's death and remembering her so it weaves back and forth between creative nonfiction and uh scholarly critical work on comics so that's yeah there's lots going on that's uh that's where everything is right now so what is your best strategy for carving out time for these projects on top of your teaching work and editing and all of that other stuff you know just take time when i have it you can't you can't decide, oh, I need a whole day or I can't do anything. You have to, you know, I have two hours, I'm going to use it. Or I will block off time. For example, 
yesterday morning. Yeah, I blocked off yesterday morning because I had to finish the introduction for the Lemire book. And I had a couple of requests for meetings with students. And I just said, okay, I have to meet you at 1 or 1.30. Instead, I can't do the morning. And so I sometimes have to be rigid about that. But it's also a case that I know that when I'm doing other things, I'm also writing, that that writing is always happening in my head, that I'm, even if I'm out for a walk or whatever, I'm often solving problems. So I was on sabbatical last year. And as I was working on the Lemire book in the spring, and I had pitched that book last December. And so I started to work on it in the spring, but as I'm working on that, and it's very straightforward, that kind of editorial work, it's going through all the interviews and choosing the interview. It's very straightforward work, but it was also, I think the kind of work I needed because it let my brain go through ideas in the background and partway through doing that work, I had this idea to write an essay about, I realized that this 1976 project, which had been, I had, I, I have all of the comic books published from 1976. I have everything, 2000 comics, and I've read it all. And I've been, you know, this has been back burner trying to write a book about this for a long time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do a straight monograph. And as I worked on the Lemire stuff, in the back of my head, it clicked that that project of collecting and reading was really about the death of my mother. It was about using those comics as a way to go back to when I was 10 years old and mom was still there. So I think I'm always, although I don't like multitasking, I think there is a certain element of doing that even when I'm doing other stuff, if that makes sense. So you know, when people talk about, oh, I don't have time for writing. Sometimes the writing is happening when you're doing whatever, doing the dishes or taking a walk or whatever. You just have to then realize when you sit down, how do you channel what's what's gone before? That was a that was a very long answer to a relatively simple question. Sorry. That's an excellent answer. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. The Windsor Review is free to download and can be accessed through the University of Windsor website. Our show notes will also include a link to the online version of the 50th anniversary of the Windsor Review and the new website link. Thanks for joining us. Look for more episodes of All Right in Sin City wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out our website, allrightinsincity.com. For information and announcements of new podcasts, sign up to our email list or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.